0: Going on, it's a glorious day. Seven and two, first time since 1993. The Bills with a dominant statement, and we're gonna say statement a lot tonight. That's gonna to be the word, the word of the night. Statement game against the Seattle Seahawks. The people asked for it, they got it, and now they're asking for bucket head for Fred. So Fred, you know the tradition. Let's put that oh, bucket head yeah. on every time the Bills win, baby. Let's get it. Let's get it on. Oh, you know. I like a man in a bucket hat. But, uh, guys, big, big win today for the Buffalo Bills, 7-2 and two at the in the top tier of the AFC. A lot of people were asking for a statement when we needed a, a signature win. Russell Wilson comes to town, MVP candidate, top offense in the league, worst defense in the league, Bills come out on top. Fred Camarton, I'm coming to you. What would you think of this game today, man?
1: Man, I, I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I, I didn't think that we really uh, had a chance to pull this one out. I'm not going to lie. All, all week I was worried about this game. I just thought that with that offense at Russell Wilson, and it seems like every time he plays this year he has some sort of magic. He always pulls out to win. So I was concerned for the Bills and the way they, their defense played. But you know what? Hats off to the defense. They showed up today. They showed up big today.
0: It was nice to see him back. It was nice to see him back. Clayton, what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, I mean, Fred just said it. The, the defense was really the biggest thing going into this game. Um, that that Seattle defense—they're not—they haven't been playing well at all this season, and it was really they were right for the pickings for this Bills offense to really attack them, however they chose to. I was really wrong in my predictions of this game. I did not think the Bills were going to come out with a victory, or to be frank, it, it, even be competitive in this game. But you know they surprised me completely they they proved me wrong entirely uh, my, my thought process was I wasn't going to predict them to look competent against a Super Bowl caliber team whereas whereas in the last two times we saw them with the Tennessee and Chiefs game they they, they didn't look competent at all and they they proved a lot of people wrong today as you said uh, on the onset Jeremy he it was a statement victory for the bills today
0: you know for me personally. I did not feel worried about this game at all, all week. I mean, I was at work, you know, all week. I'm talking to people all week. This game never worried me. And um, I know if you guys have been paying attention since last year, I've always been saying since Sean McDermott has gotten here, that I feel like his defensive game plan, and Leslie Frazier as well, their defensive game plan is always more comfortable around mobile quarterbacks. I just feel like that's their comfort zone. And with Russell Wilson coming to town, a West Coast to East Coast trip, no fans. Seattle coming off a, t- a couple of tough matchups here. I've watched Seattle play three or four times this year, and they didn't scare me. If you could stop Lockett or you could stop Metcalf, you're going to win this game. And that's exactly what Buffalo did. They limited the big plays. Um, they created a lot of big plays. And they can stay. once again, another game where they steadily moved the ball. And later on in the show, I do want to talk about Brian Dable and give him a little bit of praise because he deserves some praise for his second half adjustments. Adjustments, mm-hmm. Brian Dable, not something we use here together. But moving on, obviously Josh Allen today, that's what we're going to start with. He's the man on the mission. Um, he's put his name back in the MVP race again, I think, today. A 415-yard game, 31-38. to Three touchdowns, we're passing, one on the ground. Fred, Josh Allen, what did you think?
1: I mean, you got to look at this team, the way that they played. It almost looked like they come off a bye week. They looked refreshed. They were flying around. I mean, Josh was making plays. He was finding his reads. He was finding the open guys. I mean, I, I can't say enough about this kid. I mean, the, like, like uh, Clayton had said, we didn't look that great against the Tennessee Titans and the Chiefs, but you come out and, and you play against the, the, the Seahawks like he did today. you got to start mentioning this kid. His second 400-yard game this year, I mean, and, and the way he was slinging the ball, I mean, the one pass that stood out to me I think was the one to Tyler Croft that he hit in the back of the end zone. I mean, that thing was on a rope. He was zipping the ball today. And, and I was really impressed with this kid. Again, uh, he's taking those steps and, and he's leading this team. And, you know, we didn't run the ball, but we 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 had Josh Allen take this team on his back again today and, and look at the results.
2: You know, r- really the biggest thing for me going into this game with Josh Allen, I felt like was – Will he rise to the occasion? Will his nerves be really affecting his play and kind of making him make mental mistakes and errant throws and what have you? And that, wasn't, that simply wasn't the case today. You know, th- this was a game – this, this was a huge stage for the Bills today. You're going up against one of the powerhouses in the opposing conference, and you have an opportunity to make a statement. And Josh Allen going to this game, he was going to need to have a really good game in order for the Bills to come out victorious and from the start to finish, this guy, he, he was executing on all cylinders. He threw for 81% completion percentage today. That's incredible when, when you combine the fact that he threw for over 400 yards. He threw for three touchdowns, and he added a rushing touchdown on top of it. It was an impeccable performance for Josh Allen today from, from I mean, by, by, by every definition of the word. It was a great game for Josh Allen, probably his best game as a pro thus far.
0: You know, and it's funny because you said he put himself in some uh, talk with Elite Company a little bit today. Actually, two two things with Josh Allen today throughout this ballgame. Um, he's the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era with 400 yards, three touchdowns, no zero interceptions, and a 130 um, QB passer rating in multiple games in a season. And not only did he do that today, he also got mentioned with Jim Kelly. We know how much we love to do that. Today, he was... He has the most passing touchdowns through a nine game period. Well, second most. He ain't got, he ain't top Jim yet. Uh, he has 19. He's right one behind Jim Kelly through nine games. I mean, he's, this guy's on a tear. Let's be honest with you. He's on a tear. The accuracy is there. I mean, I don't see his completion percentage dipping any lower than where it is at this point. There's no way he, he may finish this season with above 65% completion percentage. And we said last year, if he even got to 62%, that yep. it was game over for a lot of teams. Yeah and that's the thing is that you can
1: see the difference that Diggs is making in this offense and then with a healthy John Brown I mean this these this is an offense it's really hard to stop and then you throw in these these defenses are having their hands full. And the fact is is that our offensive line, again, I got to praise the offensive line a little bit today because we had some injuries and, and they threw in some uh, different bodies in different positions. But for the most part, that offensive line held up today, and they were giving Josh a ample amount of time to find the open receivers.
0: No, I think they did. You're definitely right. Clay, what did you think about as far as the receiving core? Because obviously we got John Brown back today. And I keep saying that this team's a different receiving core with John Brown than it.
2: Oh, they are. John Brown was one yard away from having 100 yards receiving today to go with Stephon Diggs having 113 yards receiving on the other side. And he, I believe, he had over 13 yards per reception. So Stephon Diggs and John Brown really do make this this offense run differently. You know, having those two guys uh, going at the same time on opposite sides of the field, it really gives this offense a different synergy. It gives this offense a different flow, and it opens up the playbook for what they can do. And you you can see players like Gabe Davis, who also had a very solid day today, day in, and in, in, um in, more in a a, a reserve role. Uh, playing that fourth wide receiver role today, in comparison to what, how, when he had to play wide receiver, too. you know, he he's in a role he's in a position to succeed when John Brown is activated, and that's when you see him open up for uh, performances such as today, where he had over seventy yards receiving, and you know he was there, he was there to make plays when he needed to for Josh Allen, and um, John Brown, you know, he had a nice day today as well. It was just a solid day for the Bills' receiving core, and you know you saw them getting open, you saw them making plays, you saw them separating from this lackluster secondary for the Seattle Seahawks, and that's really what made the difference on the on the back end for the Bills' offense.
0: No, definitely right. All good points there. Uh, you know, I want to uh, backtrack a little bit, and I want to talk about this first play of the game right here, with Andre Roberts with the big return, and obviously I've been saying for a couple of weeks, I've been, I've been getting into arguments with people about why. Andre Roberts should be on this team. God knows I don't know why I even bother responding to ignorance because that's that's ignorant. Um I think he set the tone with that return today. Mm-hmm. I believe that I mean that was that what gave me hope to say, okay, this is this is gonna go in our favor today. Yep. They came out ready. Um another couple plays too I want to talk about is the uh the hit by Daryl Johnson. We will have to film of that. Whew. This team was amped up today on all, all mm-hmm. fast of the ball, but including the defense, the special team was ramped up and ready to go. Now They didn't give Andrew Roberts too many more times to return the ball, but uh, I thought that return specifically set the tone today for this game in which direction it was going to head in. Um, We didn't run the ball today. Normally, we would get on this show and we would be ranting and raving of why we didn't, once again, didn't run the ball. I don't think we needed to today. I think it was perfectly fine. fine with the game plan today. Fred, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with you, JT. I mean, I, I think the fact is, is that they knew that they had a banged-up secondary, and and I think that they realized that they could exploit them in the passing game. There was really no reason to pass the ball – or, I'm sorry, run the ball. I mean, when the passing game's clicking like it is, and to touch on your point with Andre Roberts, yeah, he set the tone right from the beginning. I think he took the ball, what, four yards in the end zone and took it 60 yards. I mean, that, that set the tempo. The team was already pumped up right from the get-go. But the fact is, is that Josh was finding his receivers for 10, 11 yards down the field, and they they were just marching. So if, if you're moving the ball and, and they're not putting pressure on Josh, there's no reason to run the ball, even though we want to see the run. But a game like this, there's no reason for it. And you looked at the Seattle defense at one point. They were getting frustrated. They actually started blitzing in the second half just to get pressure.
0: Right, they get Down the pressure on that right. Yep. right, they did. They they did start blitzing. They started putting seven man, a uh, six man fronts uh, with Josh with uh Jamal Adams being your sixth guy. Mm-hmm. And I was proud. I almost shed a tear to see our guy Brian Dable call a couple screen passes. Yep, and make some second half adjustments. And I said, "There you go, Brian. You're getting it there, but." You're getting it. You're understanding. We're not going to have to get the machete out for you, right? No over for you, for you Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. But, uh, no, I, I thought he did a, a great job um, making second half adjustments. And I thought two big screen passes. One to Zach Moss, I think, it was in the third quarter. And, and, then then the and then, obviously, the big John Brown one. Yep. I want to talk about the play calling of Brian Dable today. Clayton, what did you see from him? What did you see he did? And do you agree with the second half adjustments?
2: Um, I, I thought it was a solid call day for Brian Dable. I thought it was. I thought it was honestly probably one of his best coached games in, in his career. But let's—I don't want to make the mistake and say that the screen call was Brian Dable's call because that was an audible at the line of scrimmage by Josh Allen. That was—that was an adjustment at the line or adjustment at the line of scrimmage. Um, so he did call a solid game. I was—I was of the belief that if you threw the ball over thirty or thirty-three times in this game, that they were going to come away with a loss. And I was—I couldn't have been more wrong about that because um, it, it was uh, spoke of in post-game press conferences that the plan was the pra- they practiced a far more balanced approach going into this game, and they ended up throwing the ball as much as they did because simply because Josh Allen had the hot hand. And I am not opposed to having Josh Allen throw the ball when he is on fire, when he's firing at all cylinders such as today, because the Seattle defense simply had no answer for him. And like Fred touched on um, in the first half after throwing for, I believe, for almost 300 yards in the first half, uh, they they had to start trying to manufacture pressure in the second half by bringing more guys to the line of scrimmage, putting uh, Jamal Adams down at the line of scrimmage, using him off the edge. You saw Carlos Dunlap get, get free a couple times there in the second half. But aside from that, that defensive line just failed to exist at the line of scrimmage, and the Bills' offensive line left Josh Allen with all the time in the world. And you know if you leave an NFL quarterback with time to throw, he's going to have time to pick a defense apart. And you saw just that today as Josh Allen threw for over eighty percent completion percentage. So uh, I, I thought the adjustments in the second half, you know, slipping that screen in there. When you saw that the, the pass rush or the blitz is getting to Allen uh, with regularity, I thought to th- slip that uh, screen pass in there really made them have to play honest. And that's something you know I, I can't criticize Brian Dable today for for uh, you know doing things that I have criticized him for in the past because we've seen games such as today where teams start playing cover zero and start blitzing six seven guys at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the Bills just keep t- trying to do what they had been doing throughout the entirety of the game rather than slipping a screen in there and forcing that defense to play on So despite the, the lack of running uh, of getting the running game involved, I thought uh, it, it was a solid game for this Bills offense from top to bottom and front to back.
0: Yeah, you know, before and before we go too far here, I actually want to uh, give a couple of shouts here. Uh, I want to shout out our friends over there at Discover 716 or 716 Discover. Um, they're doing some great things inside the Buffalo community. Make sure you get over there to their webpage and check them out. They got a down app you can download. We'll be working with them with some giveaways and things going forward. So make sure you check that out. And also make sure that you get your new Buffalo by Nature t-shirt here. Uh, that's from uh, Dan Gabino and the guys at Cold Sox and Buff on Weck. I think the t-shirt's like 25 bucks. It's a, decent, it's a great t-shirt. And $5 out of each t-shirt is going to Jim Kelly's Hunter Holtz Foundation, which I think we'll be working with them in a couple of days here for his virtual trip, or his virtual uh, uh, party in a couple of days here with Thurman Thomas and Steve Cash. so Make make sure you guys register and check that out as well. The target spread. Obviously, this was another week. The target spreads were different. This week, Cole Beasley went on the back burner with three targets, but caught all three balls, 39 yards. Stephon Diggs, twelve targets, 118 yards, nine receptions. John Brown, eight eight receptions off eleven targets. And I think uh, you got Gabe Davis in there with 70 yards off five receptions. But I believe it was seven targets. The target spread is, is is insane. I mean, we're really getting everybody the ball. And I, one of my main concerns coming into this season was, well, who's not gonna eat? And I guess we yeah. can say we we've all but laminated the run game some of these games, and then we kind of kind of got rid of tie it in in case it's like a uh, emergency need, I guess, in games if you want to call it that. Are we surprised about the target spread? And we do realize Stefan Diggs is leading the league in receiving yards. We definitely got a great—that's uh, a great first-round pick there. And he's also on pace to break Eric Moltz. Eric Moltz is a uh, receiving y- receiving yards record here in Buffalo. I got to check the I got to check the receptions to see who owns that record. He's probably on pace for that as well. What do we think about Stefan Diggs, it in the, I mean, in, in, in the target spread in general. No, I mean, you
1: you absolutely, you know you know that he's going to be your number one receiver, so he's going to have to eat. But the thing is is that these other guys are helping him out as well. Not only is he taking double coverage, then you leave John Brown one-on-one, but if they put a cover two out there or a cover three, then all of a sudden Bees is open underneath. So uh, Diggs is a big factor in this.
0: In offense, right?
1: Yep. Right. The more that this offense goes with Diggs, the, these other players are going to have
0: an opportunity they're gonna have an opportunity to produce, right?
1: No, I mean he's getting the ball, you know, because. Every-
2: so, right, I I think the way that.
0: Clayton, what do you think about the offense and in the, in the in the target spread?
2: Uh, really, with any offense that's really predicated on vertical passing success, you're going to have to have. An efficient target spread amongst your your receiving threats. That's why the Bills decided to go out and get Stephon Diggs. That's why the Bills have really four wide receivers that you can rely upon in, in their roles in this offense. So that it's really critical for the Bills to have this passing offense firing at all cylinders to have a a good target spread, and that's something that. We were never really certain of as to whether Josh Allen could handle it or not when when given the, the ball to pass 40 times a game when he has to spread the ball around to his receivers. Because any efficient offense, you're never going to be able to run that offense through one sole target. I understand we talk about Stephon Diggs being one of the best wide receivers in the league at this point statistically. And he is a large reason in part as to why this Bills wide receiver core is as successful as it is given the fact that John Brown can have a good day on any given day. Cole Beasley can have a good day on any given day. And when Gabe Davis is playing that wide receiver four four role, it seems apparent that he he can have a good day on any given day. So I think all of it revolves around Stephon Diggs, and Stephon Diggs is going to get his targets. He's going to get his catches. He's going to get his yards and his touchdowns throughout every game. But he really eases it up for all of those other weapons to kind of do, play their role and do their job, and, you know, that just makes Josh Allen's job all the easier trying to find them and when, when, when they come open. And, you know, I, I think Josh Allen's done an impeccable job with this offense, quarterbacking and, and managing it, whether it be the target share or whether it be, you know, just being okay with having a game like he did last week where he really just primarily turned around and handed the ball off to his running backs. He's a selfless player, and he's down to do whatever helps his team win. And, you know, if he has to throw it to seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 targets every single week to do so, he's going to.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's I checked the stat last year and I believe his stat last year or far as bad throw percentage were about, uh, I want to say it was somewhere between 16 and 20 percent. And this year his bad throw percentage is around 4 percent of bad throws, technically bad throws. I mean, you can have a touchdown. It can still be considered a bad throw or whatever. Brett Favre probably a bad throw rate percentage in his career, probably 40%, then if that's the case. But uh I I mean I, I was happy what I saw from the offense today before we move on to the defensive side of the ball. I was really happy what I saw. Um I thought Brian Dable caught a pretty pretty good pretty good game. He's trying to, he's trying to he's trying to get the head coaching job. That's that's what he's going for. He's trying to get the head coaching job. I thought Josh and the guys did well. Um, I like the fact that we got Isaiah McKenzie involved. I, do, I mean, how many people touched the ball today with it? Singletary, Moss uh, in the <clears> passing game, Diggs, Beasley, Davis, McKenzie? I mean, once again, probably another week we had eight, seven-plus, eight-plus people touching the football or getting them involved in the passing game. You don't, it doesn't get any better than that when you can spread around like that. That's, that's what Kansas City does. That's what New Orleans does. That's what Tampa usually does. Not tonight because they're getting blown out right now, but that's normally what they do. Uh, and I and I, I like to see that. I, I like to see us not be one-dimensional. I like to, not to see what we saw in those few games that John Brown was out where we're pretty much, I felt, force-feeding the ball to Stephon Diggs and it kind of stopped the flow of the offense. So, I mean, I thought it was a great game for the offense. What grade, What grade would you give the offense today, Fred?
1: I would definitely have to give them an A. I mean, just the way they executed the offense, I'd give an A. Clayton?
2: yeah any game that you score over 40 points has to be an a i think i think it's an a it's an a for josh Allen, it's an a for it for brian dable that's the first time i've ever given him an a ever ever so um yeah it was a pretty successful day for the bills offense to say the least yeah
0: hey all you guys watching out there do us a favor what give us uh what grade you guys give the offense and we'll try to get uh which we'll i get your answers up on the screen here we know what grades you guys got as well for the uh buffalo bills offense today uh you know, another thing I really want to talk about is uh Sean McDermott and how he gets his teams prepared for these games. And I'm not sure if he gets enough credit for as good a coach as he, he is. And obviously, there's been some people who've been harping on him. I don't know why. Once again, it's the same people harping on Sean McDermott and his regime for whatever reason. People like to jump on this regime. I mean, when they've they've only gone six and two last year, seven and two this year, people want to harp on them for whatever reason. Whatever. I mean, by all means harp on them if you want. Doesn't really make too much sense. And maybe you should bang your head against the wall a couple of times. But if you want to do that, go ahead. Um does he get enough respect around the league for what he does? Fred, I'm coming to you first. If you look at the media the way they they praise Sean Mc- there's
1: still a lot of people out there in the media that does not give does not give the Bills any respect, but those are called the haters, and you're going to have them until the Buffalo Bills do something. You're always going to have people hating on us. So I actually like being the underdog. Clayton, what do you
2: what do you give for Sean McDermott? Um, personally, you know, in a grand scheme of things, t- t- type of deal, I. I don't think I think Sean McDermott is probably one of the most underappreciated and underrated coaches in the NFL. I mean, you look at what he's done to Buffalo just just from a grand scheme of things standpoint. How many coaches came in here and just really didn't do anything but hurt their own resume when they came to Buffalo? And Josh and Sean McDermott entered this city with the growth mindset that he did with the opportunistic mindset that he did of the opportunity of I'm going to turn this football team around. And he brought Brandon Bean in with him and you look at how he gets this team prepared every year, every single game, every single year, it's the same exact message. It's the same exact, it's the same exact uh, teachings and preachings. If you will, it's the same exact thing every single week is that, you know, no one, two game is too big. No game is too large. It take they take it one game at a time. They don't get too high from one loss, and they don't get too lo, or, or they don't get too low from one loss, and don't get too high from one win. And I think that is a critical uh, uh, thing that people don't really think of from the exterior point of view of football, because the mental of the locker room is as big of a factor as any for a football team.
0: You know, I was really curious coming into this game how they would respond off of that big Patriots win, and obviously I call it a big Patriots win because it's. Not necessarily the same Patriots team. We know Tom Brady is not there. We know that, that same Patriots team is not there. That was there the last couple of years. That pretty much dominated for the last two decades. But just the just the fact that they won that game and get, like we said last week, getting that monkey off the back, sort of speak. I was kind of worried that this game they would come out falling flat after an emotional win like that because you see that a lot. You see a team win. A thriller or a division arrival or somebody and it seemed like the next game they come out unprepared they come out flat and this team came out firing on all cylinders which means as they always say do your 111th prepare execute they were came out ready to play again and maybe they maybe they maybe they struggle versus new england just a little bit maybe they were looking past new england to this game it's possible
2: i you know it's very possible Honestly, watching how fast they were playing, watching how confident, physical, fast, and decisive everybody on both sides of the ball were playing, this was probably the most prepared football team that we have seen come out there against a quality opponent in some time. I mean, we said, you said at the onset, Jeremy, how, how big it was for, for the Bills, almost a statement victory. I, I think it's really the biggest victory this team has had, I don't know, in recent memory at least. It's bigger than either the the, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh or Dallas victories last year. Uh, I, I'm gonna disagree there.
0: I'm gonna disagree there because of this, the quality this,
2: of that defense. This, this was this this was a good this was a good win.
0: Uh-huh. This is uh-huh. a good win. I'm going to I'm going to disagree that this win here was was bigger than Dallas. I think Dallas was the win that kind of set everything off last year. Last year, and the Pittsburgh win was the icing on top of the cake. Plus, it's a national
2: spotlight as well. I, I, I'm, right. of that, I'm of that belief simply because, mm-hmm. you know, this was the game that a lot of us needed to see happen in order to go into this second half of the season where the team is facing much tougher competition than they were in the start of the season. This was the game that I personally needed to see to have optimism going into that part of the season to, to the fact that the Bills could go out there and possibly end this season with 10, 11, 12, maybe even 12 wins. Um, that That optimism wasn't there before this performance. Um, it, it really wasn't, you know, playing teams like Pittsburgh. Yeah, I wouldn't throw the Cardinals in there, but you're playing a lot of solid teams here in the second half of the season, such as the Seattle Seahawks. And you know, having a statement victory today, it wasn't just a, a, a competitive victory. It wasn't like a, a victory of the variety that you had last week against New England, where it came down to the final drive. This was a, a convincing victory over an NFC powerhouse. So I, I understand where you're coming from in the aspect of how. The Dallas game is really what kind of set this whole thing off with the Bills of having the confidence of being a playoff-caliber team and then ultimately ch- shifting that into a championship-caliber team now. Um, but really, I feel like this is this this is the equal to this season's Dallas victory for this team and this locker room going forward into the second stretch uh, into the second half of the season. I mean, plus you have your bye next week so you can rest up – or not next week, after the Cardinals – and you can rest up and really get some momentum going here for the second half of the season, hopefully for a championship run. But personally, I, I I'm of the belief that this is a huge victory for this team to, to gain optimism and confidence going into the latter half of the season.
0: And guys, just remember to uh just for for the comments purposes, remember there's always two posts. There's one post on the two posts on the core front page, front report page. So one of those posts is the the first one is the one that you can get your comments on the screen. We can actually see it. The second one is the one that we can't see your comments inside of this. I think we have about uh, 42 live viewers on one chat, on one page, on one I'm sorry, one video post, 32 in the other one, and then we have about another 55 between Twitter and YouTube. So nice to have a couple hundred, over 100 people with us tonight. That's great. Nice. Um, make sure that you're subscribing to all our platforms on Twitter or Instagram our Facebook, and make sure you're subscribing t- to our Spotify. And this week, don't don't forget, we have our web page relaunching this Friday around 9 a.m. or something like that. It's going to be state of the art. You're not going to miss it. It's beautiful. We've already approved everything on it. we got to get some more things. So the new web page is coming 9 a.m. You're not going to miss that. Trust me. It's going to be some great content coming out. But, uh, Fred, so we're going to move on to the defense here. Yeah. We, we still gave up 34 points, okay, more points than we wanted to give up. Pretty much we gave up, what was it, 20 with – out taking out of the garbage two tart two garbage time touchdowns yep essentially so the defense looked more physical they looked faster they looked like they were executing and a.j. Klein looked like he was alive today finally uh what did you get from the defense
1: I mean, first of all, right after you just said it, I mean, the the defense was fast. They were physical today. This is a defense that we're used to seeing. And another thing that stood out to me is that Tremaine Edmonds looked healthy. He looked like he was comfortable. He was reading. He was reacting. And and just the back end, they weren't giving up the big place. And we know – all year, the Bills' defense has struggled stopping the run, but they haven't given up that big play. And, again, it showed up today that they weren't giving up the big plays. And another thing is they were corralling Russell Wilson, so they were putting pressure on Russell Wilson. So that's that, that impressive alone is that's what we've been looking for is for us to finally put some pressure on the quarterback and forcing the turnover. So the defense is finally starting to turn that corner.
2: Yeah, I think, I th- oh, I'm okay. sorry. I think we finally found ladies, out. Ladies first. you're rude you're rude wow okay all right well i think we finally found out the strength of this bill's defense because i mean you can bring up the jets games you can you can say what you will about certain opponents i mean this defense has had their bright spots throughout the duration of the season thus far but i'm of the i i personally think that this was their best performance this season And they really looked comfortable out there. They looked confident. And Fred kind of alluded to it. Tremaine Edmonds had his best game of the season. You know, he looked like the player we were expecting him to look like going into this year rather than the player that we've seen through the first eight games. Um, He looked confident. He looked comfortable. He looked decisive in his reads. He looked decisive in his steps. And, you know, that's huge for a middle linebacker. And it made all the difference today in both the run and the pass defense. And I really like. I, I'm going to get into it in a second. Some of the looks they were running with their fronts and how it how it was very advantageous against the Seattle front and um their their and um their, their weaknesses up front. But AJ Klein, you know, we finally found out the strength for him. You know, as long as he's moving forward, we, we we've got some good things happening. And, you know, he looked like a force to be reckoned with out there today. My, I, I still have my reservations about A.J. Klein moving backward. But moving forward, oh, he's a solid football player like you I, like you saw today.
0: I bet you see that hit on Russell Wilson, you won't say it to his face. <laughs> Go ahead, Fred. What are you, what are you thinking? Uh, A.J. Klein had a performance. Obviously, we still want to get Matt Milano. And I think actually putting Matt Milano on in the injury reserve and letting him fully heal before something else goes wrong with that pectoral was the right thing to do, and I, I mean personally, I don't think they should have brought him back in the first place um, until he was fully healthy. But I get it; it's crunch time, season on line. You're a professional; you got to play football.
1: I think do- if you if you look back last week, everybody in Bills Mafia was just complaining about AJ Klein's play. But I'll tell you, the, the kid showed up this weekend. He had five tackles, two sacks. Force fumble and a fumble recovery I mean he showed he was all over the field today he was making plays when we needed him and, and he was coming this kid showed up he played today this is what we need out of him and with the absence of Milano he needs to step up like this every week now
0: well I, I mean be honest with you going forward I'm, I'm hoping that we can get Darren Lee into this lineup uh-huh. um, because I think that's going to help tremendously and I think you know, if we can't get a healthy Milano back, and I don't know how severe his pectoral injury is. I mean, obviously, we, we you know, Buffalo becoming more like New England every day where we're getting less and less information out of, orga- out of organization. So I don't know how injured he is. But what I do know is Darren Lee is a suitable replacement, especially with his speed and in coverage. Um, I do believe by this next week he's going to be active. I could be wrong, but I do believe he's going to be
2: active. I I agree with you. I think, um, like, like I said, A.J. Klein seems to be a very good football player when he has to move forward. You know, today you saw him blitzing a lot. You saw him even spying Russell Wilson on some occasions. You know, he was typically moving forward. You didn't see him dropping back into zones very often. Well, what A.J. Klein lacks in coverage, Darren Lee can make up for. Obviously, they're not going to be put on the field at the same time to kind of yin and yang one another. But. What they will do is they will bring Darren Leon in situational roles where where it's obvious that the other team is passing um, in substitution for Matt Matt Milano until he can return from injured reserve. But what they were doing with that defensive front that was really bringing up a lot of confusion for the interior of the Seattle Seahawks offensive line, because Mikey Upati, veteran offensive lineman, Mikey Upati was out of this game. And, you know, this team, Robert Turbin said it last night. I, as he was the guest on the Saturday Night Tailgate show with Mario uh, Granada and Mookie Hawkins and myself, um, this, this offensive line really their weakness is playing double A gap looks. And he didn't, say, it's both linebackers and defensive tackles. And today I, I was expecting to see some double A gap looks from the linebackers where the two linebackers come up in the double A gap and they either both drop off or they both blitz or one blitzes and one drop off and what have you. But today you saw a lot of the Bills playing two a, two uh, a, uh, defensive tackles in the A-gaps. More times than not, you saw Quentin Jefferson as well as that Oliver. And then you saw them moving Tremaine J- Edmonds to, to an edge look. And you saw just A.J. Klein in the middle, and they had I, either Saran Neal or Teron Johnson on the other edge having to either drop back in coverage or send a zone blitz. I liked – I really like the creativity with the zone and man blitzes that the Bills' defense was running today. They were switching them up a lot. They were keeping that offense guessing, and when you have an offense guessing as to what you're doing on the defensive side of the ball, that's really when you can play comfortable, you can play confident like they did today. You can just fly around and make plays, and as you saw, they had four takeaways today. So that was plenty evident that they were playing of that variety.
0: Yeah, the four takeaways were huge. Um, I mean, if you guys watch the – the Pressure Front podcast when it was Alexander every Thursday. I mean, every, you know, one of his keys every Thursday, literally, I'm going to make fun of him a little bit, is uh, (laughs) always create turnovers. And, uh, you know, it's funny because he said this week one of his keys was, this Seattle defense is the worst defense in the league on film and on paper, and you need to go out there and make them look like that. And I, I can honestly say when you can play a football game and you're not down, at any point during the game, and you just simply don't have to run the football. You're doing a great thing. Um, I thought, thought Trent Murphy showed up a little bit better today. You know, he he held his edge. He was he got pushed around a little bit sometimes out there. I would like to me I would like to see him collapse the pocket a little bit more. But he he was in the right place at the right time. Um, I think he executed his silt on the, the edges against the run game. So I'm going to give Trent Murphy a little bit of love because I give him a lot of hate so far this year. So I'm gonna give him a little bit of love. I'm in a loving mood tonight. Um, Jordan Poyer, once again is continuing with an all-Pro season, and we put, you know, another 10 tackles a day, bringing his total to 79 for the season. and I believe he's on pace for about 140 tackles this year. Jordan Poyer is playing well. and then someone commented when we put the post out yesterday, I like to see more interceptions. I want to you see some one. pacifism. Well, you got one today and you got yep. some pacifism. You ain't got nothing tackles. So I hope you're satisfied there. <laughs> that so. was
1: a big interception. He got fourth down in the end zone. That was a huge interception. That that definitely t- changed the momentum of the game as well for the Bills.
0: It wasn't. It was clutch. I mean, mm-hmm. on, the lo- on the level of clutchness, we'll call it, that was almost as clutch as – and it was almost reminiscent of – Micah High's interception against Tom Brady last year right before halftime. I was just going to say that. (laughs) It's funny. Absolutely. It it was caught. It it came up big. Jordan Poyer is earning every dime of that $10 million extension he got. Every penny of it. And you know what? The thing is, he's showing up every single game this year. There hasn't been a game he ain't showing up. And he's playing extreme. And it seems like he got a little bit bigger, too, because he seems like he's more physical this year. I mean, not that he wasn't physical before, but when he's hitting you, the defender, uh, receiver, or the ball carry is filling it.
2: Oh, he's popping dudes. He's popping yeah. dudes. You saw it a couple times along the sidelines today. I, you had one of those tic tac penalties last week for a hit along the sideline. But jo- Jordan Poyer has a different physicality to his game this season. I agree with you 110%, Jeremy. And I don't think it's far fetched to say he's been consistently been the best player on this Bills defense so far this year. Because he, he really has been. Every single week, He's showing up every single week. He's making plays every single week, whether the defense is playing lackluster or not. This guy is the one that's making differences, whether he's playing in the box or he's dropping back into coverage and he's making plays on receivers or he's making plays at the line of scrimmage. Jordan Poyer has quietly been the best player on this Bills defense this season, and he has quietly had an all pro caliber season back there at safety. You know,
0: I'm. I'm just gonna put this comment on the screen. I'm not gonna read it because uh, it's not appropriate wow. to read. But oh if you're wa- if you're if you're watching, <laughs> if you're oh. watching, you can see it. But if you're if you if you're gonna listen to this later on Spotify or Google Podcast or Apple or whatever, make sure you go subscribe to us on there. You won't know the comment. You have to go research yourself because I'm not a potty mouth and it's not a it's not an I'm just not gonna read it all out. Loud. But uh, maybe that is the juice he need. I don't know. You know, I don't. I'm not gonna. You know, not, my mom always told me to talk about another man's guts. but uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I don't know. Holy oh, crap! I, he, he's been he's been consistently the best defensive player on this team so far this season, and uh, he's
1: being he's being physical. He's very physical. He's the one that's set, he's setting the tempo right now for this defense. I mean, that crack that he hit DJ Dallas on the sideline, he felt it. I mean, that was a hit. <laughs> And that's what this defense needs. Remember, McDermott talked about it. We got to play fast, and we got to play physical. We haven't been that, but today we were physical and we played
0: fast. But right. well, my thing is this: you know, people were commenting on Jordan Player, and they're saying he shouldn't have that many tackles and da, da. If people paid attention, he's had over a hundred tackles the last two years. And Ninety-five tackles his first year, so he always racks up tackles in Buffalo. He's been doing it, and besides the fact. We give people like Buda Baker all the credit in the world for getting 130, 140 tackles a year and no
2: interceptions. We've seen Poirier make plays. Or Jamal Adams. Let's let's not forget him. That, he, that that's his
0: that game. dude. That dude is so overrated,
2: man. He is extremely overrated. I, 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 I knew saw one I thought of you guys day. was
0: gonna bring him up. I knew you guys, oh my I, god.
2: Personally, he was probably one of my least favorite players on that Jets team because oh, he was definitely the best one. Yeah. So there, there, there was a little bit of bias with there, but Watching how he is utilized in Seattle, he is, he is nothing but – but he looks like he's stuck in quicksand in coverage. You can't use him in cover two. You can't no. use him in cover three, so you can only use him in the box. He's a glorified linebacker at this point. Miss, miss me with Jamal Adams. Jordan Poyer is a better safety than Jamal Adams, and I think that's oh, something dang. after this game oh, you, you can say for sure.
0: Every day of the week, Jamal Adams is nothing more than a way more athletic Roy Williams from the Cowboys. That's what he is. And, and, and every time you see the guy, he's just talking. I was just he's ta- he talks. That's it. He's, t- yep. he's talking. He's doing his arm. He's doing all this and all of that. and Like, just shut up. Has, has he been, even played a playoff game in his career?
2: No. No? No.
0: Just shut up. Yep. Please. Like can you imagine <laughs> being stuck in quarantine with this dude? He probably <laughs> in your ear.
2: I mean, I, I anybody who wears sweatbands up and down their arms to look cooler is really sus to me. I've never you always kind of have to approach him a little differently than you do your typical human being.
0: Exactly. I mean, I,
1: he has no love for the Bills. You know that just from playing with the Jets. But yeah, today all he was doing was John.
0: It was John, but he wasn't making any plays. He's always John, whether he's making plays or not. It's great. He fills up the stat sheet with 10, 12, 13 tackles. But I can argue that he does not impact the game more than Jordan Poyer does. No, no. He got one sack
1: today on Josh Allen, but that was, you know, that didn't decide the game. I'm just saying, you know. I mean, yeah, he come off the edge, and Deion Dawkins missed the block. But, yeah, that was the play I saw, and he was no, still going after. That's not. that's not the
0: one. He he pushed Dawson Knox back. That wasn't on that's Dawkins. That's the one. I'm sorry. The, You're right. That was Dawson The, Knox. the one yeah. on Dawkins, he ran at Dawkins, Dawkins shoved him back, yep. and then he went to contain mode. Said, I don't want no parts of this.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was funny. He was just standing yeah. there playing pancake yeah. Yeah. with Dawkins. Yeah, yeah, I don't want yeah. no
0: parts of yeah. this. I ain't got my contract yet. He's like, yeah, hey, a- we're,
2: we're good. This is done. Yeah,
0: this is a business <laughs> yeah. decision. But speaking of business decisions, you know, I want to talk about the, uh, the development of uh, Zach Boss a little bit here. And obviously today, stat-wise, he was not used a whole lot because of the type of game we played. But he looks extremely comfortable. He's picking up on this NFL speed in this NFL game extremely fast. And it almost felt like he took the lead back role today in this game.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, really, you've seen it the last two games with Zach Moss. Obviously, last week with his 14 carry performance against the New England Patriots. I think the biggest difference right now for Zach Moss from the beginning of the year and right now is he, like you said, Jeremy, he looks more comfortable in this offense. He looks more. He looks like he knows this offense far more than he did at the beginning of the year. He knows where to make his reads. He knows where to make his cuts. His vision looks a lot more natural. He knows where to look to make plays in the in the schematics of the offensive line's blocking and you no know, he is running with a full head of steam every single carry. You know, we talk about how the Bills lit up the Seattle Seahawks defense today with all the passing yards that they did, but they had their way on the ground when they wanted to. There were only seldom seldom few occasions where they ran the ball and they were running into a brick wall. And those were, th- those were the kind of scenarios that we saw in those games like, like, like we saw in the first four games of the season where the Bills' all- passing offense was firing in all cylinders, but the Bills' rushing attack couldn't get it going. The Bills' rushing attack couldn't get it going in those games, not, ma- not a, by a matter of choice, but by a matter of default. They could not run the ball in those games, and they had to pass the ball. In this game, when they wanted to run the ball, Zach Moss was moving the chains for this football team. You saw them dumping it down to Devin Singletary in the passing attack, and he was moving the chains for this football team. But Zach Moss and his development, I honestly feel like you're going to see something very similar to what you saw with Devin Singletary at the, in the second half of last year. You know, you saw him kind of sit on the bench for a couple of weeks to start this season with his turf toe injury. He got healed up and he developed. He learned this playbook a little more. Now you're going to see this kid really start to surge and really find momentum. He's not going to hit that rookie wall that a lot of other rookie running backs are going to hit because of their usage in the earlier portion of the season. So I think everybody should get gear up and get ready for a solid second half of the year for uh, Moss Mode, Zach Moss.
1: You know the Moss thing with Bowen? Moss is the thing with Moss is that he, he reminds me of like an old school running back. I mean, he runs downhill. He's very physical, and, and he's a big boy. And I, I like the phys- I like how he's physical. I think I, it changes the dynamic of this offense when he's running the ball because you don't want to come up and, and tackle this kid. But when we needed the yards today, he was definitely there. I'm really impressed with this kid, and, and I look forward to seeing what he's going to do for the remainder of the season. Now that he's comfortable in the offense.
0: I mean, he's gonna play an in integral part of what we got going forward. It's it's gonna be an extremely important part, and I think having that one-two slash punch. I mean, we're gonna have two running backs that are gonna be extremely fresh because right now we're through game nine, and these guys haven't even touched the water of what they can be because we haven't had to run the ball in a lot of these games, and we didn't even hit our bye week yet. Nope. We still gotta get to our bye week, so you're gonna get down the stretch, and you're gonna have two hel- two. Fresh and healthy running backs, and that's going to be a problem. And as far as the development of Zach Moss, um, we had a comment up here, and it it was a very good comment from um, uh, Cody Wells. Moss is a wicked nice blocker, too. Some of the blocks he's throwing in the the backfield are just fantastic. And that's a very underrated thing. And honestly, when you hear about the development of a rookie running back, one of the hardest things for them to come in or the hardest transition coming in is pass protection. And that's why a lot of them get ripped off the field. If it was up to Zach Moss's pass protection, he could he can be a three down back.
2: Mm-hmm. He can be yeah. a three down back easily. Yeah, I mean something uh, to go on along uh, along the lines of protection and blocking. You know, he is a solid pass protector when asked to in in pass when, when he has to pass block um but also in run blocking. You know, you saw in the pay, against the Patriots last week where they run, ran two running back looks a lot of times mm-hmm. with both Zach Moss and Devon Singletary in the backfield. And I was talking to Matt Perino this past week on the roundtable, on the Hashtag Sports YouTube channel, so be sure to go subscribe to Paul and Mario over at Hashtag Sports on YouTube. But with, with Pat Marino, he, or, or Matt Perino, he was saying how during practice and training camp when nobody was really allowed to say anything, but now they are, they were practicing a lot of screens, a lot of two running back looks where they have both Zach Moss and Devin Singletary in the backfield. So there's a whole chapter of this playbook with the running game, with the offensive line, with these two young stud running backs that we haven't even seen used in a game where it really, it's only been the focal point of four quarters of this season. So that is a huge facet of this offense because this isn't a one-dimensional football team. This isn't just Josh Allen's football team where if he he has to throw the ball 30, 40 times in order for this team to win every single week, that's not the case. This is a team that can run the ball down, the, down a team's throat with success and have that be the focal point of the offense on any given day. So it, it is an entirely different part of their arsenal that we have not yet to see, which is a very encouraging sign. Given the fact that you're you're, you're uh, getting primed and ready for what you hope to be a, a championship run here to close out the season after your Week 12 bye.
1: Right, and, and you before- know what? You got to oh, you got to. I'm sorry, you guys, but um, you got to give this credit to this offensive line as well. Today was another example of what kind of depth we have on this offensive line. They can either do pass protection or they can open up holes for this running game. So it's going to be interesting to see how this offensive line transition as the season goes along as well, too.
0: You know, before we go too far, I actually forgot to uh, – if you guys can uh, watching the show now, Chess, give your grades on the Bills' defense today. That's going to be – this is going to be some very interesting grades on the defense because you see the yardage, you see the points, but we also saw the performance, and it, even though the points – are a little higher than some of the other games we played felt like the porn is better. So I'm I'm curious to see what the grades are from the, uh, cold front nation here to uh, see what they're, what they're thinking. Um, we got Arizona coming up next and that's going to be another tough game on the road. They're coming off a tough loss to Miami. I was hoping they were about, going to beat Miami today. Uh, to get Miami off our heels a little bit because the dolphins are playing really good football right now. And shout out to our guy, Shaq Lawson, uh, uh t- 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 today for Shaq, Big Shaq. Uh, you know, we are friends with Shaq. Shaq is a part of Team Avalon. As such, we are. So we're on the same team still, somewhat. So uh shout out to uh Shaq Lawson for getting his first career TD there today, the, uh, day, Shaq. But uh coming on the stretch, this is gonna be it's gonna be a little tough run. Um but now we're what 2 0 versus the NFC West. And I said this season, coming to the season, we need it. At least five wins versus the AFC East. We needed two, at least I thought three wins versus the AFC West and two wins versus the MC West. And we're pretty much at we're pretty much at our at my quotas already for where this team needs to be. And we still have the Raiders. I mean not the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos to go, and a very battered uh 49er team. And a very young Arizona team.
2: You know, th- this is where you're really going to have to see the Bills start to separate themselves. This is where you're really, I wouldn't say definitively going to find out what this football team is made of, but the the quality of competition from the second half of the season compared to the first half of the season, the the difference is obviously there. You're going to have to see a step up from from every facet of this team, whether it's defense, whether it's special teams, whether it's offense, whether it's coaching, coaching in in every which way, shape, and form. You're going to have to see improvements from every facet of this football team and really see the culmination of what this season has been to this point. They were 6-2. and two. They were 6-2 and two in a 6-2 and two team that I really – I wouldn't sit here and say didn't really have much confidence in. I will say I was uncertain going into this game as to how I felt about this football team with the increase in difficulty against the competition that they have in the second half of the season. I was uncertain how I felt – going into this portion of the season. Can, can I say for certain that, that, this, that, that this team's about to go for a Super Bowl run and they're about to finish 14-2? and two. I'm not going to sit here and say that. But what I will say is today you saw the performance that you needed to see in order to have a football team that you're confident in going into the to the latter portion of the season. You saw the defense have its best performance of the year. I understand what Jeremy's getting at with the points and the yardage, but that you're going up against an MVP caliber quarterback today and Russell Wilson, and you saw this defense find a way to make four turnovers when that's really been the buckaboo all season, where they haven't really gotten the luck in, in the turnover department this, thus far this season. You saw pressure from the defense that you hadn't seen in weeks past. You saw the passing offense executing on all cylinders. You saw, again, the Bills special teams playing with a spark, playing with, with with Robert or Andre Roberts setting this game off with a 64-yard kick return and Daryl Johnson flying down the field and popping dudes at 6'6, 2, 250 on special teams. That's insane. This this team, if they can really have the culmination that it today appeared to be the beginning of this is going to be a very exciting second half of the season where you're going to see a lot of people start to talk about this team again, the way that they did in the first four weeks of the season.
0: No, I agree. I I definitely agree. Uh, You know, I don't know why this team isn't getting any respect. I mean, last year it was – the schedule was was favorable week. Yeah. Yeah. This year it was, oh, Josh Allen was just – you know, it was COVID offseason and he he took got the best of defense of the first four games. You know, the year we made the playoffs, it was, oh, the Bengals got us in the playoffs. So when how much winning are we going to have to do before the excuses stop? Because this team is – all but a shoe in for the playoffs, and this is gonna be what the playoffs three out of four, three out of four McDermott years. Yep. But yet I see teams like Seattle continues to get respect. Yeah, Seattle was in some Super Bowls, but this is not the Legion of Boom Seahawks, but they get no. their respect. Uh, you know, Vegas is still putting New England over us after yep. signing Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. They're two and they're two and five and going to the toilet bowl tomorrow versus the Jets on Monday Night Football. All right. You know, you got you, you, i mean pittsburgh pittsburgh's eight and oh when's the last time was pittsburgh actually a contender for zubo maybe a couple of years ago when they got blown out versus jacksonville and Jacksonville, that team's not even existing yeah. anymore
2: no that that, okay. that one that year <laughs> so
0: I, so i guess my question is when does buffalo get their respect what do we have to do to earn our respect do we have to beat up on a russell wilson do we have to beat up do we have to beat up jared goff I mean, what, what do we, what do we have to do? It's, it's not our schedule. I mean, damn.
2: Are, are you asking me personally? Or are you, are you, no, I, just,
0: I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't think you can answer that. You're not, he, you're, you're not one of these experts that keeps picking us out of there.
2: Oh, well, I, I may not be an expert, but I, but I do have an opinion. What I feel is personally, I would feel a lot more comfortable about this team after a playoff victory doesn't matter against who it is. It doesn't matter if it's the Titans, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Patriots, the Dolphins. I don't care who it is. I really don't. A playoff victory is really what it is that's, that, that, that's going to tell me that this team is kind of over the hump because this is, as much as we talk about this team having cohesion, this team having camaraderie and having a, a thorough locker room, if you will, being, being true teammates, as much as we talk about that, this is still a young football team that has faced a lot of adversity throughout their young careers so far, but they'd also lack a lot of experience in those situations. For me, what would set me over the top in terms of comfort and optimism and really how I feel about this team going forward, it would be that playoff victory. That doesn't mean I'm not going to sit here in the middle of the season and have hyperbolic reactions to to certain series and whatnot. I'm not going to – obviously, I'll have my reservations until that point, but – Personally, that's what will sell me. That, that's what will sell me.
1: And, you know, what? I, think, I think Clayton's absolutely right because I'll tell you what, if the Bills do happen to win the division, uh, and like we, we haven't won the division since 1995, I, I think everyone's going to say, well, the Patriots aren't there. Tom Brady's not there. They're weak. Jets are weak. You know, Miami's in a rebuild. So they, were, they should win the division. But until we win that playoff game, I think that you're not going to get any respect until you finally win that playoff game. And we haven't won one since 1995. So those are two streaks that we need to end.
0: Well, I think we're definitely gonna end one this year. Now I, I know Miami's coming on strong, but mm-hmm. even watching that Miami game today, I don't think that Miami is uh is gonna be I don't think Miami's gonna beat us the second time we play them, I and I don't think they're gonna win the division. I think they're gonna fall off at some point. I just don't think the talent is there to sustain it yet. But they're on our they're right on our heels though going forward past the season, I believe. Um yeah, people on YouTube, we are back. I won't play any more clips. We probably got violated on there. Listen, we just want to give a good show. We don't care about the monetization. Screw your copyright claims YouTube. Screw you. We just, we just <laughs> want a good show. We're gonna play clips. Okay. <laughs> it's ain't reading rainbow. But uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, no. Um, I mean I I I enjoyed the game today. I, I'm thoroughly happy with the Bills, and then we'll go around the horn and we'll give our our final thoughts here. Uh Clayton, what's your final thoughts of this game before we move on?
2: Uh you know, this game specifically it's it, it's a game that we all needed to see. After after the the Tennessee game where this team just did not look like they were there physically or mentally. And then the Kansas City game, which wasn't as bad as Tennessee, but it was still a lackluster performance. And then two divisional games where it, I, I wouldn't, I don't like calling that gets, that Jets game a tight contest, but you didn't score a touchdown in that game, and you play tight with the, the, your divisional rival that you have kind of gotten beaten up by the last twenty years. So you really don't know what to take away from those two divisional games, and obviously there aren't, there aren't many positive things to take away from those two losses that you fell to two to, uh, Super Bowl contending teams. And now you come out there today and you finally make a statement where you don't only win, you win convincingly. And you, you had this one in the bag apparently from the beginning, and you existed from quarter one to quarter four. That's something that I have been asking for from this football team for what I feel like is now a season and a half to have a full forced on um, um, performance on all in all phases on, on both sides of the football on special teams. With their coaching, with adjustments, with execution and what have you, today it came full circle for this football team. It was a very, it was a pleasant surprise for me. I did not expect a performance such as such as that what we saw today, but I doubt that I'm the only person that the Bills proved wrong today because you know this isn't now. Now I can take them serious when they face up against supposedly Super Bowl competition going forward. All
1: right,
0: Fred Kilmartin.
1: First, I want to give my condolences to Josh Allen on the passing of his grandmother. And uh like like Clayton had just said, I mean, I have some confidence now in the Bills after this statement win today. So going forward, I, I mean, the sky's the limit now, seven and two. We haven't been seven and two since ninety three. So what's the next streak we're gonna break? The the lead the, the division or a playoff win. So I look forward to seeing what this team does the remainder of the season.
0: All right. Well, I guess my final thoughts are, you know, to me, this is this win right here versus Seattle was not a surprise. As much as we're tired of hearing the Bills not getting their respect, and almost all the analysts picked against them again today for the Seattle game, go, and, and you know, coming on a road, a tough road game versus a tough Bills team, you know, they all got picked against. The Bills players are also tired of not getting the respect, and unlike us, we can sit here and we can say, hey. That's not fair. That's not right. You, you, you crowned the Patriots for 20 years when they had the same schedule. Doesn't matter. You know, they play in each division, but we don't get our respect. That's cool. We can sit here and we can argue, but the Bills can go out there and they can impose their will. And when you see a hit like AJ Klein put on Russell Wilson today, that's a type of plays we need to have more this season. We need to impose our impose our will on people. We need to break people, we need to crush them. And today, that's what they did. They came out, they stuck their, they stuck their uh, foot in their, 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 um, their throats, and they kept pushing down. What we've seen in the early part of the season is let's get leads versus the Rams, get lead against the Jets, and we kind of let those leads go a little bit towards the end of the game. Today, when we got to thirty-four to twenty, we could have took our foot off the gas pedal. A lot of people say, "Hey, Sean McDermott, he they pulled their foot off the gas pedal." Today, we didn't put a foot off the gas pedal, and I think this is a turnaround. Sean McDermott said, "Teams play their best ball in November and December. That's when they start gelling." And today, I think we saw that. And going forward, I think the NFL is on notice, the entire league, and I pray that we can get. To that Pittsburgh game without any losses, and I pray that Pittsburgh maybe get to that game with any losses because I think we're going to hand them their first L. Simple as that. Let's
2: get like that. Let's I get like it. That. Um, <laughs> just, just, to add to Jeremy's point before we get out of here, and maybe read some con- comments. Um, you're really seeing a young football team learn how to win. I, I really believe that's what you're starting to see because I, I uh, you know, seeing the the reluctancy to put their foot on the to keep their foot on the gas keep their foot down down the opponent's throat. I feel like part of that was not having experience in those situations. And it's tough to watch. It's tough to go through growing pains of that variety. Absolutely. You know, the, the Houston game is a prime example of a game like that. But you're starting to see a team where they're learning from previous mistakes and they're learning how to win and they're learning how to execute in a game in games like this, where you, you need to keep your foot on the gas and you need to do that in order to win. And, you know, like you just said, Jeremy, you just highlighted it perfectly. They did just that. And I think that, that that's a, an optimistic sign going forward. Right.
0: I mean, guys, seven and two first time since 1993, we got a game versus Arizona. If we go into that game, we win that game versus Arizona. We're going to go into our bye week at eight and two. Wow. And and we come out with a schedule that's a little bit more favorable on the back end. Like I said, you have a battered San Francisco team. You have young teams in Denver, in Denver, a young team in San Diego who find different ways to lose every week. Today it was a review call. Every week, every week okay? <laughs> so they find ways to lose games. So I would gladly take that game. Uh, Denver, <laughs> San Francisco, you got Miami coming up again. We have New England again. By that time, I'm pretty sure they'll be fully demoralized and Cam Newton may no longer be the starter. We may see... Uh uh uh, uh Stidham. yeah, them, Pittum them out there by then, you know, okay. So who knows? This team very would very well could be trending towards 12 wins this season.
1: And so, that's funny because that's what our record was in '93 when we started seven and two. 12 right.
0: and four. So we could very well trend that way. This is a different feeling in Buffalo. Let's enjoy it a little bit. Let's tomorrow, you know, I know we're highly critical. Let everybody just soak this win in. Just have fun. Enjoy it, okay? Enjoy it and just be positive, okay? Uh, we're not a fraud. I don't think we're a fraud. And moving forward, so guys, when come more shout outs, make sure you guys get over to 716 Discover. Check those guys out. They're doing great things inside the Buffalo community. We'll be working with them going forward. I'm going to be talking to a lot of the kids tomorrow. We might get some things going. Also, make sure that you're getting these badass Buffalo by Nature t-shirts from Buffalo and Co. Cold Sox. If you have not seen the video, Deion Dawkins had it on. Jerry Hughes had it on. A lot of players going to be having it because this is what it is now. It's Buffalo by Nature. And uh, if you ain't got a shirt, then you're not Buffalo and you're not part of our nature. Whatever. That doesn't sound right, but it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> so make sure you get one. And $5 goes to Jim Kelly. And Jim Kelly said he needs help raising money for Hunter's Hope, and damn it, if Jim Kelly said he needs $5, we're going to give Jim Kelly $5. This is the way it goes. There's no arguing with Jimbo. You got it? All right, And now that, guys, that's our show. Make sure you tune in. Make sure you're subscribing to all our audio podcasts iTunes, Spotify, Google, Anchor. It's all in the the bio down below. Just click down below. Uh, Make sure that you stay tuned for our new brand new debut of our State of the Art webpage coming Friday, powered by Avalon Media. And uh, we got a lot, a lot of secrets and things on deck, so you ain't going to miss it. Um, Clayton's on Tuesday night, I believe. Overtime podcast, Jeff Uvino.
2: Yep, overtime podcast, with Jeff Uvino. Uh, we took a break last week with the election going on Tuesday. Um, but, you know, we're just back to business with football this week, talking about the Seahawks game. And I don't, I, we, we don't have a guest coming on this week, so it'll be the first time in almost a month that we've just gone solo. So it'll be a fun 8 p.m. Uh, start with Jeff and I for the overtime podcast live and uh, you know, be sure to tune in on Thursday when Jeremy goes live with Lorenzo Alexander for the pressure front podcast. Uh, I believe you guys start what nine, nine 30.
0: No, actually we're moving to eight 30 now. So we're moving to eight 30. Uh, this Thursday will be on eight 30 Lorenzo Alexander. Uh, make sure if you're missing that show, you're missing some great insight. I'm sorry. I don't tell you, I put out clips each week, but if you're not watching the whole thing, you're missing it. He gives you keys to how you, how to, how McDermott's, going to prepare for this team, how the defense is going to prepare, how the offense is going to prepare, some of you definitely don't want to miss. And, uh, yeah, anything you got anything going on there, Kim Martin?
1: Well, I mean, I got a couple things. I'm still working on the Sideline to Sideline podcast. All right. So, that are